0: So we are getting close to the end of Galatians. So Galatians chapter six. If you found your spots. Um, it's it's Memorial Day weekend, and we always kind of do something a little bit uh, different on Memorial Day uh, so this this weekend. Is this is a, a weekend where we you know gather, uh, ce- celebrate, enjoy a- ourselves, uh, barbecue, do parades. Um, that sort of thing, but it's a day to really remember those who have fallen in, in combat or the line of duty, and so um, we, we always give people the opportunity. Melanie has the microphone ready to go, so I have to turn off mine, um, but this time what we, what we do is just if you know somebody that's in your connected to you, friend, family, that has fallen in combat, this is a time we just want to get up, you can share who they are and maybe a little bit about them just so that we can remember uh, those who have been lost in combat.
1: His name was Tyler Fay. His name is Tyler Faye. He was very young. He was 19 years old. He was in Fallujah. And a um, young guy. And I don't really want to share how he died. But it was, um, it was profound. It was profound. And I appreciate his service. I think about him. I think about his mother. You know? He, I mean, when he died, my son was younger than he is. My son is now almost... You know, my son is now 34 years old this year. It's just. Yeah, you want me to keep going? There are others. There was, you know, I was just sitting here trying to remember his name. I cannot remember his name, but his wife and my ex-husband was a Marine, a combat Marine for 20 years, infantry Marine. So I know quite a few. Um, There was a guy who lived right down the street from me from us with his wife and his little boy. And I just remember when he died, um, driving past their house and thinking, I don't even know what to say to this woman because around her, there's all these welcome home signs in the neighborhood from other um, units that are coming back. And there's no welcome home sign for her and her little boy. And then the last one that I remember, his name is Gunny Boer. And uh, actually, he's mentioned in a book called Presence at the Table um, that was written by a chaplain who served with him, who was there when he died. And uh, he was a good friend of, of ours, a really good friend of ours. And when he died, his wife was on a trip to go visit her family in Iowa, where, where they were from. And for three days... Everybody knew that he had died but her, and they didn't want to tell her because she was driving there with their dogs. That was rough. Like, everybody knew that he had died but her. And they had to wait until she got to her parents' house to tell her that her husband was dead. So, um, I don't know. I just think about all these people this weekend, and it's it just, it's heartbreaking. But that's, you know, freedom isn't free, and this is the cost. All these people are paying the cost, so... Anyway, that's all I have to say. Yes, I'd like to remember um, a fellow Navy SEAL and also Naval Academy classmate of mine, Pete Oswald, lost his life in 2002 and left behind a wife and three young
0: daughters. Yeah, I'd like to, uh, I had a really, first off, let me just say that I have too many friends that I've lost. I can't even name them all, but, uh, one that was really close to me, he was a roommate of mine and, uh, Christopher Tillman, he died in Panama at the Patea airfield invasion. And, uh, he didn't have a family. You know, he had a mom and dad and everything, but he didn't have a wife or children. But uh, that was my really first experience with that, and then it's just manifested since then. But uh, it, was pretty, it was pretty profound. And uh, I, always, I think of Chris every year. I remember my uh, younger brother, Victor Lopez, was killed in Vietnam in 1969. Uh, he was 21 years old and had one month to go, and and he was killed by a
1: mine,
0: instantly. Instantly killed. In 1970, I uh, I lost a friend. His name was Patrick Purden. He was a year older than me. We joined. I joined Sea Scouts when I was 14. He was 15, and he taught me a lot about. Just everything, but he was a conscientious objector. So he, but he wanted to serve. So as when he was drafted, he became a Navy corpsman, and and of course he was put with a Marine unit, and he died in his first week in Vietnam. He, as a corpsman, he went out. Uh, the the point man had been shot, and he went out to do work for him, on him, and and he died. He ended up having to kill people with his service forty five.
1: I just want to say with Bob at the cemetery every year saluting the flag with the Cub Scouts is a a memory I'll never forget. I think he weighed maybe 100 pounds, that last one that he gave. The roadrunner was kind enough to send me a picture of it, so that's my memory of him. Um, I crossed the border into Iraq March 23rd, 2003, and I want to say Ambush Alley, Nazaria, Iraq. Too, too many young men and some women just um, gave up their all for, for all of us. Um, it was pretty much Mogadishu on a bad day. We had uh, 11 on one Humvee that was calling at their last. Uh, still upsets me a lot, but I think of all the young men and women that have served... And sacrifice for our whole country. And, uh,
0: that's, that's about it. Lieutenant Larry Stevens <clears throat> shot down over Laos in 1969, and his fighter jet was captured by the Pathet Lao and never returned home.
1: This was my mother's first husband. He died
0: in um, World War II in a German prison camp in 1945. So every year I knew I was in trouble today. Um, like the two Toms here, like we're all see team guys and we've all lost uh, like too many friends to list. But for me, uh, one in particular was my best friend of the teams, uh, Tom Retzer. And we're honored to have his mom with us today, Leona. And, uh, so I'm just, uh, grateful for Tom. Grateful that Leona can make it down. Oh, she's going to come down here. And, uh, so on June 25th, uh, we found out that Tom was killed in Afghanistan, and Leona's here because CrossFit Valley Center, we're going to do an, uh, the MRF tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., and they're going to honor Tom during that, and I'm going to probably hurt myself doing the, the workout. You got this kid. It's only a mile, 100 push-ups, 200, no, no, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 squats and another run. It's like, it'll be super easy. And uh, so you guys are welcome to come. But but it's a super honor to to have Leona with us. And uh I don't know if you want to say anything, Leona, or not, or Melanie has a microphone if you do. Okay. But we're we're just I'm just grateful that she's here. And uh the thing is is the 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 great country that we live in and the freedoms that we enjoy and the way of life that we enjoy, it 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 comes at a cost. And I know that every year when we share it uh you, the, the pain of the sacrifice that, that guys have made, it it never, it just doesn't go away. It's, it's, uh, and so we, we don't want to take, uh, what God has blessed us with in this nation lightly. And so this weekend, uh, we remember those who have fallen. I know that, uh, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn for the guys I know that have fallen, but I'm I'm confident that they would want us to barbecue and enjoy this life and enjoy the weekend um, be, because we're Americans. And so, I have my sunglasses because uh, Hannah Rouse asked me to wear them, but I can't really see through them, so I'm not going to preach in them, but I'm going to have them here. And so, with that, we're going to pray, and then there's a couple more announcements, and then we'll get going. But let's let's just pray. Father, we do thank you and and praise you for this day. Lord, we live in this place with just beautiful weather and climate and and a nation that, uh, in in the midst of its problems and imperfections, it's still a great nation to live in, and we are grateful to to be here. And so, Lord, we remember those who um, have fallen in combat, in the line of duty, uh, serving individuals. We uh, thank you for their sacrifice, Lord. We remember those who are left behind. We we pray for the Gold Star moms in our nation, the Gold Star spouses, uh, the Gold Star children. Father, we pray that you would help us as a nation to really uh, care and love on them. Uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, help us uh, just to navigate this world. We do pray for peace, Lord, and we long for it. And so we, we look to you uh, for help in these areas. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, so like every week, the e-newsletter, it's the best way to stay connected. So we encourage you to to sign up for the e-newsletter. Uh, today, right after the church service for those that are interested in being baptized in two weeks. I just, there's some questions came up. It's not today. It's not next week. It's in two weeks, uh, just in the overflow classroom. I'm going to, we'll run back there and we'll talk about, uh, baptism. So it's not too late to sign up on the barbecue part in years past. We've always had like a potluck, but this year we're doing something different. So, um, uh, Kathy is sort of leading the crew. I think she's shaking her head at me, but she is. She So John is barbecuing like in his big old trailer, tri-tip and chicken and the whole spread like he always does. But then Kathy has a team. I don't know if you need helpers or if everything's taken care of at this point. That's a question. It's all taken care of or do you need helpers? So Kathy could use some help. So instead of a, a, a potluck... She's doing a couple like traditional barbecue side dishes, and just asking a couple people to bring those in, so we can kind of control the the flow. So if you're interested in making potato salad or beans, or I really care about the meat. That's all I care about. So like whatever else you're gonna, you know, use, uh, talk to Kathy and she could use your help. And with that, let's let's go ahead and pray, and we'll look at Galatians chapter six. Uh, We have a couple verses here, and we'll we'll get through them and. And uh, be on our way. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you again for this day. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would just lead us, Lord, as we continue our study through Galatians, uh, that you would bless our time with one another, help us to uh, be drawn close to you. We pray that you would meet us here in this passage. And uh, Father, we just, we just thank you for Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for us so that we might have life We pray that you would move each one of us closer to him this day, and it's in his good name we pray. Amen. All right, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. The one who is taught in the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time we will reap even we will reap if we do not grow weary so then while we have opportunity let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith and Father, we do thank you for your word. We ask that you would lead us now, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we come to this, this section, as we've been working our way through Galatians, there, there's always tension in, in, in teaching the Bible in this context. As we, we go through books of the Bible at a time every week, there's, there's a bit of tension of uh, how far to you, how far do you go? Do you cover each week? Um, you, you want to be able to explain the, the details of the section, but also sometimes when you look at the, the narrow section, it's easy to lose context in the bigger picture of how everything uh, fits together. And And today, I think, is a classic example of where where we find ourselves in Galatians. We're sort of in this, this section where verses 1 through 10 fit together. This whole section really ties back all the way to chapter five, verse 16, where we read, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, which is sort of bookend in verse 25, which says, if we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at this, this uh, the, the reality that if you have trusted in Christ, uh, it's we, we've learned that you're relationship with God is based on faith, not on works. It's based on what Christ has done on the cross for us. And during this time, there was a great pull from the Judaizers who were following up behind Paul and saying, you need to be circumcised. You need to observe the Mosaic law. You need to live by this system of of merits, of do's and don'ts. And unless you do these things, then you're going to be cut off from God. And so Paul makes this huge case that our relationship with God is contingent on the work that Jesus did alone. It's grace-based. And through Christ, we have been liberated, that we have freedom. And there's that tension of freedom on the one side, the tension of falling into legalism and religion and doing all of these external things, thinking that they... uh, they move you into a deeper and more profound relationship with God. And then on the other extreme, you have license, where if, if Jesus died for you, then you can do whatever you want, and there's no accountability. And so Paul says, no, the, the person who has given his life to Christ is to live by the Spirit, to walk in liberty. And if you live by the Spirit, then your desire and the deeds of the flesh will be crucified. And there was this exhortation to feed the spirit within you and to crucify the flesh. And so today we continue this. He's, he's continuing to expand on this section. And we come to a verse that, quite frankly, it's, it's awkward for me to cover. Um, it, it, it speaks about caring for those that care for you spiritually. He says in verse 6, the one who is taught who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. And so when I come to this verse I think to the 22-year-old gunner who was very opposed to God and to church and to religion. And one of my top pushbacks against people that would nag me to go to church is like they just want all my money. And I find it kind of funny because 22-year-old gunner had about 22 dollars in the bank account. So i don 't know that the church was really concerned about my bank account, but that was that was my pushback or one of my pushbacks and so here we come to this section, not because i 've chosen it and it's it, it 's it's ta- 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 talking about money and our responsibility as christians to it i 'll say right up front to relax we're not we 're not leading into an, an offering Uh-huh one of the things that I've really liked about COVID is we've we've really kind of done away with announcements and we've done away with collecting an offering. Like this is people who give, basically figure out how to give and they go about and they do it. There There is no big push for an offering here. And so when we come to this one verse and we look at the New Testament, the reality is, is the New Testament speaks a lot about how we as followers of Christ are to, are to handle our, our finances, our our, our resources. Um, we, the, the top line is that we see as God's creation, as those who um, enter into a relationship with him, the first thing we realize is that everything that we have, every breath, every talent, every resource at our, at our fingertips, whether it's much or whether it's little, is that we are stewards of it. We're managers of what God has entrusted us with and that we will give an account to him for how we manage the, the resources. And the reality is, is that our, our pocketbooks tend to re- reveal a lot about our values. And there, there's an obligation that we have with money. And so the short of this passage, I'm not going to dwell a lot of time here, I know I was planning for a shorter period with the time of reflecting on those who had passed away, is that this verse, It the, what it says is that those who are taught spiritually, he's speaking to these Galatian believers, there's a lot of speculation over what had happened, whether the Judaizers had come through and sort of uh, changed their thinking or undid what Paul had sort of taught them. And he they basically say that, you, if you are being fed spiritually by a, a pastor, there, there's an obligation that you have with your money to, to care for the individual that the, the pastor is worthy of, of compensation. And so, what I'm really grateful for in coming to this is this: this is not at all a a plead for money. Um, when I come to this passage and I speak of this, what what really it comes to my mind is, gra- is gratitude. I am this last over a year now for everybody has been super stressful. Those that are in like uh, church settings or nonprofit settings, there's always like the big oh, like what's going to happen during this huge catastrophe. And so, I am just personally deeply grateful. I know Melanie's deeply grateful. The two staff people, like like we have been cared for through this. And so I I'm just super humbled and honored that. That over the last 14 years of being here, like that, that my family has been able to survive and thrive within the context of our, our setting and that I can focus on shepherding and teaching the word of God. And so I'm just deeply grateful. There's no special offering. There's no twisting your arm from that's not what's happening here, but the word does as believers. And when I put myself in this capacity, like th- that we we have a responsibility to care and to contribute uh, we're not selling anything here, but SDG and E still wants to get paid. And there's things that, ha- you know, like, so there is a responsibility for God's people to to care and to contribute uh, for the church. And the transition, as we get into verse 7, is he's going to look at the attitudes of those that he's writing, which i thinking about 22-year-old Gunner who pushed back against money. It always, like, it just makes me chuckle. Like, the next thing that he says is verse seven, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows this, he will also reap. Now, I don't think he's necessarily talking about money in, in whole here. Like, I think money is one facet, but I think he's talking about the whole picture of, of how we go about living our lives for God. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. That uh, it's, it's literally this God is not mocked it 's the picture of sticking your nose up at something to arrogantly push back and to go against uh, and I think in a negative sense when I look at this verse it's it 's uh re- really within the the church as as a whole in the United States and maybe the world um, amongst society that there is a pushback against God that either we don 't care what God has to say or we we know. What God has to say, but we just don 't care, and so we we push back and and so, in a negative sense, is god saying i 'm God like like it's not like you can do whatever you want, but I created you, and at the end of the day you 're going to give an account uh, to me for how you lived your life and the things that you did and what you did with the resources that I gave you. A positive principle that I see in this sort of look at this print like do not be deceived." God is not mocked for whatever a man sows he will also reap. I I think in the positive sense for those of us that really do want to live our lives for God and we want to honor him with our, our our resources and how we just live our life and doing good to other people. Well, it's not always received well by the world. And I think of times when those who are well-meaning people are taken advantage of by others, I always think of my father-in-law who we like the whole family just shakes our head at him. And I know I've shared this story, but like 20, like 15, 20 years ago, he's downtown San Diego. And this guy says that his car broke down. He needs 20 bucks. And, and if he just give him 20 bucks, that would help him get back to Canada. I don't know that $20 will get you from San Diego to Canada in your car with gas. Gas chi- prices were cheaper back then, but, uh, and so my father-in-law gave the twenty bucks, and then it was like two weeks later. I we were back down in San Diego without my father-in-law, and the same guy with the same story is is fishing for money. And so we always were found it a little bit hilarious, and we probably weren't as Christ-like with my father-in-law and harassing him about the same guy that was still trying to make his way back up to Canada, uh, panhandling downtown San Diego. And so we were teasing him, and then my mother-in-law sort of reprimanded all of us. And she said, you know what, guys? God's not mocked. And John, my father-in-law, he gave trying to honor God. And even if this guy's taking advantage of him, God will honor John for the condition of his heart. And so naturally, when my mother-in-law reprimanded me and the rest of us were making fun of my father-in-law, I come back to this. And I do think that there's a lesson here when we look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. We can look at it from the negative sense or the positive sense. I think it's just a truism. And, and God will ultimately balance the scales and justice will prevail at the end of the day. We might not see this in the immediate, uh, season of our lives, but ultimately we will see that, that God will balance the scales. And so he says, big picture, back to verse 16 of chapter 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And he takes this, this instruction to an agricultural community that understood sowing and reaping. Like, I'm not a big, like, I have kind of a green thumb, and that I like to water things because it it's how I like to relax. It brings me back to the days of when I was a first phase instructor and I could hose off kids to make them miserable. And so I, their church members don't allow me to do that sort of stuff to them. And so my plants just get a lot of water and it takes me back to those days. And so there's always a lot of surprise when I do certain things. Like a few months ago, we had a uh, a couple of potatoes that were in the cupboard for too long. You know, and they begin to sprout. Ellie comes up to me and says, "Hey, Dad, can we plant these?" Sure, I'll throw them in the ground. I don't know if there's like a season or whatever. So, we took two or three potatoes. I threw them in the ground, and I and I watered them till you know relaxed myself. And then all of a sudden, they really started sprouting and like taking off. And and uh, well, I will. I'll continue this story later. You uh, see, so you know how things end up. But verse eight. He continues this, and he, 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 he says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh. Excuse me, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And he points out to the person who has received Christ as their Savior, within them they have two natures now. They have their old nature, the, the flesh, their old desires, they have the Holy Spirit within them and this new nature of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians nine through uh, 9, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, he listed the, the deeds of the flesh. And then in 22 through 23, he lists the fruit of the Spirit, kind of highlighting that within us, we have these two gardens. We have our garden of the flesh and we have our garden of the Spirit. And he's encouraging us to choose to maintain and cultivate the garden of the spirit that we would choose wisely and that we would feed our our spirit, which leads to eternal life, and not to feed the flesh, which leads to corruption. Again, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. He's pleading with us for this principle to Maintain the Garden of the Spirit. And now he's going to get down to some uh, practical things, some application points. He says in verse 9, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, that word is kairos, not kranas. So when he says time, he's not speaking of like the clock that's ticking. It's the word uh, kairos, like where we get chiropractor from. It, it, it has to do with like windows of opportunity. So for in due time or in windows of opportunity, we will reap if we don't grow weary. And I I love this verse. In particular, this last year has been exceptionally difficult for, for, for everyone. Uh, for those that are in the ministry, this has been difficult because in seminary, there was no... Uh, you know, pandemic 101 class, how to lead a church through a shutdown and this sort of thing that just didn't exist. And so there's been a lot of for everybody at our church, like trying to figure out how to navigate, how do we try to honor the state? How do we try to honor God? Where's that fine line? What do we do? I've been super thankful for the grace within our our body of how we navigate this. But when we step out and we start living and serving God, we don't always see fruit. We don't always see what God is actually doing. The New American Commentary on this verse says, One of the greatest frustrations in the Christian ministry and principal cause for weariness and will-doing is the inability to calculate the spiritual outcome of faithful labors in the work of the Lord. And so doing good isn't always easy. You can love on people. You can invest in them. They might get upset at you. They might turn on you. They might go a different direction in their life. And you get like, oh man, am I a big failure? Did I Did I really mess up here? And in my life, I've shared, like there's been in, in these valleys of time, the occupation that I often get envious of is the UPS driver. You know, he shows up at your house. I'm like, man, you show up, everybody's happy. Like you show up at work at like three, four in the morning, whatever it is. You have a box, a truck full of like packages. You go out every day, you deliver them, you make people happy. At the end of the day, you have an empty truck. It's very easy to measure. I've never actually talked to him at this level because I don't want him to ruin my like daydream, you know. But there's something about when we live for God and we try to pour it in and invest to people, like, we we don't, we don't all like, most likely you're not going to see an, an immediate sort of fruit. Like, very rarely do you see this happen. Uh, through COVID, like, there's been some of these moments where an individual walked into the church. It's like, I know you. And it's like, it goes back, like, 10 years when you invest in a person. And then 10 years later, God's, begins to use the seeds that were planted. And it's super rewarding. And I think that's what this verse is saying. It's like, you're going to plant seeds and you're going to walk with God and you just have to trust him to produce the fruits in your, your life. And you might not see it right away, but don't lose heart. Keep pressing on. Let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. And I think being tired is, is different than weariness. There's becoming jaded and frustrated and not wanting to continue and wanting to quit. There's, there's a difference in saying, I'm really tired. I've been at this for a while. Like I need to have a couple days away or a couple weeks of vacation. And I think that there is a lesson for us to avoid burnout that in the midst of service to, to rest. And as we move back inside in a couple weeks, that was like one of the, the factors, you know, the Arnold family, Robert's here, like for the last, however long it's been, like the sound stuff just doesn't get set up. Like this stuff just doesn't happen. And uh, the Arnold family's like, well, we'll do whatever you want to do for the rest of the, whatever, the worship team, same way, Dawn and like recording the videos. And so it's like, no, there's like a time, like we've been pressing on, we can't carry this out forever. We need to take six weeks. And so moving inside and we'll reevaluate after being inside for six weeks. We're stopping the the video online for a while. The online messages will still be available. But it's like there's a a message. Like if we want to go the distance and to persevere in the faith, we also need to recognize times when we need to pull back and rest. And rest is encouraged. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. So we need not lose heart. We need to continue to sow our spiritual fields, even if we won't see fruit for a while. Then he says, so then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially those who are of the household of faith. I love this. While we have the opportunity, throughout the New Testament, as I read, I constantly see that as long as you are alive, there's hope for you. There, there's, you haven't outrun God's ability to forgive you, God's ability to use you. It's never too late to start doing the right thing. And so you might have led your life not living this way for all of your life, and you have less life in front of you than you do behind you. And you can think, you know what, it's too late for me to do any good in this world. But when I read this, it says, well, we have opportunity. And if you are alive, you have the opportunity to do good. And I love that he puts this, uh, well, it's the opposite of a qualifier, I think. It's to all people. There's no limitation in who you can do good for. Every single person that is alive is God's creation. Every single person that's alive is one for whom Christ has died. And so there's, a, there's an opportunity that we can do good to all people. And I would suggest that you just simply look out for the opportunities to, to do good when the opportunity presents itself. He also goes on to say, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So there is a special sort of like, we're to do good to all people, but within the body of Christ, we, we are to take care of each other like a family. Uh, you can love on your neighbor, but then you treat your family a little bit different and there's a, there is a higher uh, priority. And so there's opportunities for us to serve one another. I think that's why it's so important to be involved and to be connected so that we rub elbows and we get to know one another and we get to trust one another so that when the bottom of your world falls out, you have people around you that can say, no, let us help you. Uh, one of these things, Chris and... I've always found Corinna. Karina. She's not here, but hopefully she doesn't listen to the recording. They had their baby last night. So they're and so it's a little baby boy with no name. And I do think like we'll have an opportunity to provide meals for them in the next coming weeks. I don't have any d- details. I'm just gonna throw that seed out there that there is an opportunity to do to do good within our body. Um all right, so 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 what do we do with this? Like I think our, our first step throughout Galatians is in keeping the big picture. The, the big picture of Galatians is that Jesus loves you and that Jesus loves you so much that he went to the cross for you to make a sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins, past, present, future. There's, there's no command for you to do good in order to receive this gift. The promise is, is that Jesus died for you and he loves you. And the invitation for salvation is, is there for you. And then as we receive the gift and we're transformed and we're, we're moved from the body of Adam into the body of Christ, we see that the Christian life isn't passive, that, that there is movement not to gain salvation, but because of salvation, God has set us free to, to, to walk with him and to live for him and to do good to, to people. And he uses this picture of sowing the, the spiritual field. You can neglect your field of the flesh, focus on the, the field of the spirit. And as you cultivate the spirit or the, the field of the spirit, God will begin to do a work in your life. As we end, I like uh, Charles Swindoll. He had four spiritual laws of the harvest. The first one is we sow and reap in like kind, spirit to life, flesh to corruption. So I was telling you guys about that potato. A lot of times I've done this and nothing's really happened. But this year, all of a sudden, those little sprouts turn into like huge bushes. And I was like, how do you know when it's time to like harvest a potato because it's underground? Like, I think I've messed up carrots a bunch of times. I think, oh yeah, they're sprouting. I pull them out and there's like a little, like, that's like a smaller than a radish, but it's a carrot, you know? And so I went to where the source of all information, which is YouTube. And basically you're supposed to just continue watering until they look like they're dying. And so then when the green started to like, no matter how much water I put on, it, it started to die. I'm like, well, I'm going to go for it. And so I started digging around and I could feel like balls of stuff down, like, like tons of them, like maybe like 20 or 30. And when I pulled them up, can you guys, what, you, what do you think came up? Apples? No, potatoes, tons of potatoes. It was like amazing. So now we have new potatoes, rotted. I'm going to try to give another shot. But point number one is we sow and reap in like kind. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to produce fruit of the spirit. If you pour into your flesh, you're going to see the consequences of the flesh. Point number two, he says, we reap in a different season than the one we sow in. I thought this was simply profound. When I planted the potatoes, the next day I didn't walk out and dig them up. I had to wait like months before it was time to harvest the potatoes. And so as you begin to sow and sow, yeah, not reaping, sowing, I'm not a farmer, like I've, sowing is the first part. And so as you begin to live for God and you begin to plant these seeds and you begin to try to walk with him and you're learning to honor him with your life, you might not see fruit the next day. You might not see it a week later. You might not see it a month later. You might not even see it a year later. It could be five years down the road that you begin to, Reap the harvest. I, I, I certainly think this is a true with the flesh. I, I can't tell you in my PhD in folly how many, how many things from my earlier years of doing silly, crazy stuff that those things began to like come back years later. And it's like, oh, if I could only go back and talk to the younger man. And I'm like, but well, that would be a foolish adventure because I know I wouldn't listen to me because I knew better at that age than I do now. Point number three, we always reap more than we sow. You put something in, I put three potatoes in and I got like 30 out. And I do think that we see this in the spiritual realm as well. As we begin to live for God in the next season or whenever the season is, you'll see fruit uh, from your life gr- multiplied. And then his final point is we must let past harvest and f- we must let go of past harvest and focus on sowing for the future today. And I love this. Don't look back, look forward. You might be a terrible farmer. I've shanked potatoes a bunch of times. Just, but, and so when I threw these ones in the ground, I wasn't concerned about the hundred times before that it didn't work out. I focused on the present. I should have taken some notes. Like I have no idea. But, but so you might've made a lot of mistakes in your life. You might have a lot of sin in your past. You might presently be in a lot of sin, but that's okay. God loves you. Every day is a new day. We get a, we get a fresh start. And so look at today, look at the future. Don't beat yourself up over the past. And so with that, our exhortation here is to keep pressing on and doing good. Let's pray, and then we'll end with a song. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you uh, for your grace, for your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, for the exhortation to, to press on, to do good, to... to to not lose hope in walking with you. We live in a world where there's just a lot of darkness around. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of suffering. And so Lord, it's easy to, to grow discouraged. It's easy for us to blame you for hurts in our past and suffering that we've gone through. And so Lord, I pray for each person here that you would help us Lord to, just to turn to you and to allow you to do a work in our lives, to heal the wounds that we have, that you would mend the scars, that you would make new the destruction that we have in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would give us hope to go the distance, to walk with you day by day. We pray that you would give us your eyes to see opportunities around us that we can just do good and to honor you with our lives. Father, I do thank you for this church family of ours that is so loving and kind and cares for one another. Father, I pray that you will continue to lead us as the body into the future. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen.